empty cross, the empty grave. Life eternal, you have won the day. Shout it out, Jesus is alive. He's alive. And oh, oh, happy day, a happy day. You watch my sin away.
Amen. I'm so thankful that we know what it is to hear the sound of those dry bones. <laughs> See the miraculous intervention of God in our behalf and our situation. Thank you for being here today. If you're a guest, I take just a moment to welcome you and thank you so much for coming to share in worship today. Those that have joined us with Facebook Live and KTHS Radio, we welcome you today. Glad you could be with us in church also. Tonight, 6 p.m., men, gather with us over in the youth room. We'd love to have you as part of our leadership journey and our studies there. Coming up for the ladies on March the 3rd is your next meeting time together. The bulletin has other items of interest there for you. Today, I want to talk to you about the subject, how to finish strong. How to finish strong. Turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 6. As you're turning there, thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Receptacles here at the church. A special thank you for those that have sent it in in the mail and online, all of those contributions that's in the past several months. And uh, your faithfulness is so appreciated. Today we're going to deal with this principle, how to finish strong, but at mid Distractions. Sometimes we have a great idea of I can finish strong, but we forget about that little thing of distractions that come along. Now, some of you may have not been here for a week or so or have joined in, so let me give you just a real quick update. We've been talking about Nehemiah, cupbearer for the king. His brother visits him and Find the walls in the city of Jerusalem are down. The gates are burned. Kind of a really a bad situation back home. He said it was embarrassing to God, Jehovah, and the people of God, the Jews and the Israelites. They were unprotected. He said nobody had been able to rebuild the walls. And in the midst of all of this, <clears throat> suddenly, God tapped Nehemiah with an extraordinary burden. When the burden hit Nehemiah, he began fasting and praying. The word he received from the Lord was, talk to the king and get permission. So he went to the king, asked for permission to travel to Jerusalem. He also needed timber from the forest and a letter of passage to those in authority as he traveled. And he needed protection and guidance. And the king miraculously gave it all to him. But what we need to remember also in the midst of all of this is that God was in this thing from the beginning. These things didn't just happenstance along. God was already working. Now in Nehemiah chapter 6, when the crowd, verse 1, came to Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall. And that word came to him, and there wasn't a gap left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates. Sanballat and Geshem sent a message and said, Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. What a stupid place to have a meeting with a man of God. Oh, no. <laughs> Think about that. He came to the realization that the closer you get to doing what God wants done, the harder your enemy will fight to stop you. Two weeks ago, we learned that you don't face opposition for doing something wrong. You face spiritual opposition when you're doing something right. Now, this will resonate with some of you because God has been moving you towards something. You're about to accomplish it, and then right there, sometimes out of nowhere, and sometimes you're blindsided with resistance. You're almost there. And then you face some real opposition. 
So today we're going to look at two of the enemy's strategies to lure you off the wall instead of remaining and doing what God desires. Number one, your enemy will try to distract you. Send Ballot and Geesham sent the message. Come, let us meet together. Stop doing the work. Get off the wall. Let us meet together in one of the villages in the plain called Ono. They desired to distract Nehemiah and to actually cause him physical harm. You know, often those distractions are not big distractions, but here's the problem. Little ones that are repeated over and over and over and over again become big. Doesn't have to be something bad. It can be something good that can draw you off of what you're doing. Maybe that you have a professional priority or community events that can take you away and once you're on this committee and that committee or that chamber or this, that, and all the things that can be there, until you get to the place where you're, you're divided in your focus, you're divided in your priorities, and what you're called to do begins to like somewhat because you're doing all these good things. When they tried that with Nehemiah, he had a pretty simple answer for him. He said, I'm not coming down. <laughs> That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? I'm just not coming down. And to think, they'd put all of this time and effort into being real nice in their request. And he said, I'm not coming down. It's not going to do it. Verses 2 and 3, we find his reaction, but they, they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Just can't do it. I'm doing something important. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Sometimes we have to have the courage to say that. To say no to distraction, whether good or bad. To be able to do that. You know, take for instance, part of our great mission statement here at Church on the Hill is, is where faith and life connect. It's an important part, I think, of the journey. And everything we do here at Church on the Hill must fall within the parameters of that statement, which boils down to, in simplicity, to introduce people to Jesus and then to grow people in Jesus. That's how you get your faith and your life connected. You believe in Jesus, and then you connect your life to that belief, and you build everything on that relationship. There are many things that we could get easily involved in that may not fit within the parameters of our mission statement. We get offers all the time. But I'm thankful that for so many years we have stayed true to that statement and not caved in to the temptation to be drawn away, to be distracted from helping people connect their faith in their life. Why do we try to do that? Because for too many years, people have not had their faith and their life connected. Life has been one thing. Faith has been another. But when you connect them, you become powerful. Okay. The second thing that the enemy uses is your enemy will try to discredit you. Okay? When you're doing anything for the glory of God, your spiritual enemy will try to discredit you. We know that we're endeavoring to do the work of God. And the enemy came at Nehemiah in a couple of different directions, and the enemy uses the same tactics on us too. First of all, he'll try to discredit you by spreading rumors. You know, the more you do for God, the more you live right, 
the stronger you are in your relationship with God, the more people begin to gossip about you. (laughs) The more they begin to misinterpret your motives or totally misunderstand what you're doing. In verse 5 here of chapter 6, then the fifth time, (laughs) Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter. You ever wonder what an unsealed letter was? (laughs) This was the letter that's meant to be read publicly to discredit Nehemiah. In other words, you'd just blast Facebook. (laughs) You understand what I'm talking about now, don't you? Yeah. Or a blog post. See, they think all this stuff's new. It's been going on a long time. Or they put it on YouTube. That's what they wanted. The world needed to see this letter. It was all a show. It said, it is reported among the nations in Gisem. It is true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become their king. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us confer together. I ask you, what were they doing? They were spreading lies and rumors. What do they love to do to the people of God today? Spread lies and rumors. The reality is, if you read back at Nehemiah chapter 5, the very opposite was true of everything they put in that letter. Some of the best advice I ever got as a young pastor was when you get a letter in the mail... And it doesn't have a return address on it. Open it up, go to the bottom of the letter, and see if they signed it. And if they haven't signed it, don't read it. Throw it in the trash. Because you don't want all of that garbage in your spirit. So guess what I started doing? I won't read it. And I became free. Why? Because the enemy is one stupid jerk. In case you wonder how I really feel. (laughs) And he tries the same tactics again and again and again, spreading lies and rumors. That's what he loves to do. Non-truths. Because the very opposite was true. Nehemiah was a self-sacrificial leader. Say, Pastor, what about the letters that we sign? Oh, I read those. And thank you for sending them. Thank you for signing them so I can know what you really think. Because if you don't know how to address and where to address, y'all don't need totally addressed what maybe one situation would need addressed. And everybody said, amen to that. Well, Nehemiah, let's let's notice what was going on here. He was a self-sacrificial leader. He could have financial gain for himself by the way he was doing this, but he didn't. 
He could have taken food and assets that were committed to him if he had become governor to use to build his own deal. But he didn't, and he wouldn't. He did take his resources and invest in people to help them get out of debt, and he spoke to the poor, and he encouraged them. He shared with them the truth when he was falsely accused by gossip. He shared with them the truth. Now, why does all of this happen? Well, it's just kind of part of life sometimes. If you're endeavoring to live upright before God, you don't face opposition for doing something wrong. You face it for doing something right. That was simple for Nehemiah. He was doing what God instructed him to do. So what did he do? He refuted it, and after he'd prayed, he went back to work. That's what we need. When we face gossip or discredit and distractions, is pray about it and go back to work. When you know that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know that you're called to the task, you can rest assured that if the devil is coming against you, you're probably doing something right. Hmm? Now, the second thing your enemy is going to do to try to discredit you, he's going to tempt you to compromise. Compromise your integrity, to sin, to discredit yourself. Verse 10 says, a new character was introduced to the plot. Person Shemaiah must have been a temple priest. Doesn't say that, but he had access to the temple, and you were only allowed to go into the temple if you were a priest. You see, anyone who would go in, God could kill them. If you went, it was like blasphemy. It would discredit you. This guy says to Nehemiah, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple. And let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. In other words, <clears throat> you'll be safe in the temple they won't find you in there. And Nehemiah responded in verse 12 and said, I realized that God had not sent him. Isn't it amazing sometimes how the devil dresses up opposition in religious clothes to come in with a religious spirit to destroy the real work of God? I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah, a bad guy, and Sanballat, a bad guy, had hired him. You talk about sly, the enemy sly. In verse 13, he'd been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. That's what the enemy wants to do. Nehemiah could have so easily given in to this. Because, see, here, here's another difficulty. When you, when you rise in doing what God has called you to do, to be an effective person or an effective leader, it's very easy to believe that you're entitled to more, okay? That you're entitled to more money. You're entitled to greater respect, and you're entitled to a greater influence. You're entitled to have the opinion that, you know, no one else can build this wall. I'm doing it, and I'm doing it in record time. I probably should go to the temple to be kept safe because I know there are people against me. I know there are people that would like to see me dead. The higher you rise in leadership and your love for Jesus, 
you sometimes, if you're not careful, will convince yourself that you are more than you are. You see, the closer you get to doing what God wants done, you have to understand the harder your enemy will fight to distract and discredit you. And whenever the enemy tries to stop you and, and throw you off track and throw you off focus, I have advice on how to handle him. And I want to tell you, you need to handle him with attitude. And you address him just like this. I'm not coming down. I must continue to work. In case you didn't understand me, I said I'm not coming down. And I'm continuing to work. Nehemiah said to the Shema, should a man like me run away? Or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? Then he said, I will not go. What he was saying was some real good advice for us, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase it for us today. It would be something like this. I'm not available. I'm not for purchase. I will not go. Many, many, many years ago at my ordination service, I'll never forget the moment in that time, in that service, when my presbyter prayed over me. And he prayed a phrase that stuck with me, and it's never left me. When he prayed that I would buy the truth and sell it not. Not for purchase. I will not go. You see, when you're praying and fasting, what we need to understand is we have a one-on-one -on -one audience with the Lord Jesus Christ. When voices come to tell you what you need to do or try to lure you away, you can always run that by God because you already have an open door and an open relationship with him, and you don't have to fall for that stuff. You always need to let him confirm what he wants you to do. I tell you, most of the time, he's going to take you back to what he's called you to do in the first place. He'll tell you, in essence, don't get off the wall. Don't go down the path that others may want you to go down. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Nehemiah not only stated, but he acted it out. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to tell them that they're going to be able to steal my good name. They're not going to do it. I'm not going to let them take my integrity. I'm not going to let them draw me off course. God has created me to do what I'm doing for this season, so I'm going to follow God. See, there are times in life that we have to be reminded. We all know this, but I don't know about you. Sometimes I just need a good reminder that our life is not our own. Hmm? Every one of us is called with a purpose. We're to roll up our sleeves and be sacrificial givers, sacrificial servers, sacrificial followers, and everything we do reflect how thankful we are to God for his call of redemption on our lives and what a privilege to work in his kingdom. As we look back and ask ourselves the question, who does God really use? He uses ordinary people 
and gives them extraordinary callings. That's, that's me. That's you. He gives you a burden that one day causes you to sit down, to weep, to fast, and to pray. Then you stand up and you begin to act and you begin to move forward in the direction that you believe God is calling you to to accomplish his plan. Even though everyone else says it cannot be done, that it's impossible, you remember that God doesn't call you to be a failure or a flop. He calls you and me to accomplish his task. You define what you're going to do. You know in your heart, and everybody else around you knows what you're going, that you're going to rebuild the wall. You inspire people, and you become contagious. If you ever get discouraged, you remember who God is. We don't have to fight for ourselves. We fight for a cause. When the enemy tries to distract you, what do we do? You say, I'm doing a good work, and I'm not coming down. I'm doing a good work, and I'm not coming down. When he tries to get you to quit, you say, oh, but there is no quit in a spirit-filled, anointed follower of Jesus. If you remember, in the midst of saying all that, you can also remind the enemy that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. And if you try to put Jesus down, here's what you're going to have to understand. You put him down, and three days later, what's going to happen? He's coming back. In other words, I'm not quitting. I'm coming back. The 15th verse of chapter 6, 52 days later, the wall was completed. The gates were up. Now, notice with me what did not happen in this story. No lightning from heaven destroyed the enemy. Be careful what you are asking for. There were no talking donkeys. There were no hankies with magic power. It was a miracle of God behind an individual and a group of people who simply believed God could do anything. What about today? Is he the same yesterday, today, and forever? Why, why should we ever doubt that he cannot marvelously intervene in our life, in our circumstance, our situation? Because I promise you he wants to. Notice with me the results, verse 16. All of our enemies heard about this. I bet they did. <laughs> Boy, they'd have heard a lot faster if they'd had Facebook. All the surrounding nations were afraid, and they lost their self-confidence. Why? Because they realized that this work had been done with the help of Almighty God. Amen? Scripture says... Do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up or faint. If he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, let's put our faith, our trust, our hope, our confidence in him. God is calling all of us as a follower not just to take up space or make a name for ourselves. He's calling us to change our world. And we oftentimes look at that and say, well, what is my world? I can't have any effect. This world's much too big. I want to tell you, your world's all around you. 
Donnie, if you all come. Rick, if you come. Because all of those in your immediate area of influence, that's your world. Change that world. It's in your world of influence. People you know. Just let your light shine brightly. You know, there's one thing amazing about a light as it shines. It's hard to ignore it. Isn't it? Yeah. When you surrender to Jesus and to his power and his strength, and you let his gifts begin to be used in your life, you can change more than you ever realized you could through the power of Christ Jesus working in your life. So let me encourage you today. Let's finish strong. Whatever, whatever distraction or discouragement or trick that the enemy would try to bring against you, just understand this. It's temporary on his road to defeat. Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Stand with us as we worship. If you're here today and you haven't received Christ as your Savior, Make this a time of commitment. Make this a time of decision. Make this a time that you say, I want to surrender my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're on your journey experiencing a time of discouragement. You really want to finish strong. You want somebody to pray with you. I would love to pray with you today.
Place late in 
Lord, we love you. And we thank you for your presence here. Be with each one this morning. That every need, whether it be physical, financial, mental, any need, let those needs be met this morning. And as we go from this place, we do so in your grace, in your power, to do your work. And it is a great work. And we cannot come down to do anything but. Thank you so much for being here this morning. If you're here for the first time, Pastor Keith is in the front foyer, the one behind you. He would love to meet with you. Men, remember tonight, 6 o'clock, leadership meeting. See you all on Wednesday night.